Matthew chapter 17. This morning, we're beginning, as uh, Kelly told you on the announcements, a brand new series we're calling Turning Point. And uh, a turning point is when a, def- a decisive change takes place in your life. How many of you had turning points in your life before? It's when you experience a change of direction, either positively or negatively. How many of you had some negative turning points? And you've had some positive turning points. And you always prefer the positive turning points in your life. Father, I pray God help us today. Lord, release your grace over us today. God, clear the atmosphere. Let your word go out. Stir our hearts. Give us revelation beyond what we're even saying here today. Lord, you do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, this entire series is going to be uh, about uh, the possibilities of receiving a turning point in our lives. And it's going to be more personal than than normal because each week I'm going to share a personal story and uh, and how a scriptural truth brought about a turning point in my life. Amen. And so uh, I'm excited about it. Just thinking about it encourages me because the Bible says in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you know the truth sets you free? Jesus was declaring that the knowledge and understanding of God's word has the power to create a turning point in your life. It has the ability to turn your life around. Amen. And that's the great news. So I want to begin this morning by telling you a story. Telling you a personal story about, about from me, uh, which goes back about 20 years when I was just a kid. <clears throat> what you laughing at? <laughs> 20 years ago, uh, approximately 20 years ago, I had been in ministry about three years. Uh, Brother Francis hired me to be on staff. I was a youth pastor, associate pastor, chaplain for the school. Um, it was him and I. Remember those days, Brother Francis? You and I. And, uh, and I was just clicking along, just serving as a pastor. I was praying for people. I was doing counseling. I was marrying. I was doing everything a pastor does. And, uh, but, you know, something happened... Because one day I woke up and I was discouraged and I was depressed. And I would get up in the pulpit to preach and I was preaching from a place of emptiness. It was, it was quite um, a dark time for me because of God's faithfulness to his word. People were receiving, people were getting uh, blessed. By just the declaration of the word, I'd go home and I had an emptiness in my life. And I was praying. I was reading my Bible. I was quoting scripture. I was doing everything I knew to get out of this spiritual rut that I was in. But I couldn't get out. In fact, it got so bad that every day I thought about how can I get out of the ministry? What can I do 
after I quit the ministry. I was ready to quit. I was ready to throw the towel in. Have you ever been at that place in your life? There's two people. My. Well, you rest of you are really blessed. But you ever been there where you just got so dark? You just in such a deep pit that you can't hardly see the light at the top of the pit? That's where I was. And so, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get out of it. And two things happened that turned my life around. Number one, I was talking to a pastor one day. And uh, he was telling me that he was on a 40-day fast. So, because he wanted a breakthrough in his life. And so I thought, man, what in the world would anybody want to fast for 40 days for? I mean, that just really blew me away. But then on the other hand, I thought... Wow, how impressive that this guy would go to to this length to try to get a breakthrough in his life. What determination. And then a second thing happened to me. In my devotional time, I happened to be reading Matthew chapter 17. And I came across this story. Matthew 17 verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him. And the demon came out of him. And the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, You will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, it was this last verse that became a turning point scripture in my life. And this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, what was Jesus talking about? What did he mean when he said this kind? Well, as I was reading that story, the way that it related to me, the way that it spoke to me was the most difficult situations and problems in life. See, this boy was a lunatic. He was ill. He had been that way a long time. The disciples had prayed for him and nothing happened. I related this kind as being the strongest spiritual strongholds that you can imagine in your life. I related this kind to be the spiritual problems and situations that normal prayers don't seem to change. That's the way that I relate it. God spoke to me through this verse. Faith dropped down in my heart in the present state that I was in. And he spoke to me and said, Todd, This state of discouragement and depression that you're in can turn around. It can be changed through prayer and fasting. 
Now that might not mean much to you. But now that's 20 years ago that I've been able to stay in ministry and do the work of God because God gave me a breakthrough that day with the power and the truth of his word. Amen. And so listen, for the first time and only time in my life, I went on a 40 day fast and I experienced the glory of God like I never experienced before in my life. And that cloud of heaviness and darkness Lifted off my life. And I'm so grateful for it. Amen. Now, so Matthew 17, 21 became a turning point verse in my life. Now, why do I tell you that story? To try to impress you? No. To try to give you hope. To try to encourage you. Amen. What was the scriptural truth I learned through that verse? Was that through the power of prayer and fasting, you can experience A miraculous turnaround in your life. Listen, when everything else doesn't work, when everybody else doesn't have an answer, when it seems like you're in a pit that you can't get out of, I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven who knows how to reach down into the deepest pits and reach you where you are and get you out of where you are. Yes, he can do it. Let me encourage you. You might be going through a difficult time right now. And I'm here to encourage you that God will give you a turning point in your life. The scriptural truth I learned that day, that I experienced that day, is prayer and fasting. Point number one, prayer and fasting allows you to experience God more intimately and more powerfully than ever before. How does prayer and fasting work? Or what is prayer and fasting? Isn't that what you do when you're trying to drop a few pounds? No, that's dieting. Dieting is Different than fasting. Prayer and fasting is setting aside special time for prayer. As well as refraining from food. For the spiritual purpose of experiencing God more intimately and more powerfully. See, it's not dieting. It's, a, it's an attempt to pursue God more than you've ever pursued him before. Isaiah 58, if you, if you can turn there, you can. But Isaiah 58 describes how prayer and fasting allows you to experience God. You can experience God in many different ways. Isaiah 58, he lists the different ways that God will move in your life in different ways that you can experience God in your life like you've never experienced him before. Verse 6 says, Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness. Look at this. To loosen the bonds of wickedness. To undo the bands of the yoke. And to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Does that sound good to you? Verse 7. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover them and to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn And your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Now, let me just go over that. Because right here, 
Isaiah lists at least eight different ways that you can experience God through the grace of prayer and fasting. He says, number one, prayer and fasting allows you to experience God by being delivered from the oppressive burdens of fear, of worry, of stress, and the problems of life. I missed one. The first one is getting loose from the bonds of sin and wickedness. Number two, being delivered from the oppressive burdens of fear, stress, worry, and the problems of life. Number three, by getting set free from the spiritual yokes of demonic enslavement. Number four, becoming more effective in your witness, increasing your spiritual influence in the world. Number five, by experiencing emotional healing from past hurts, wounds, and receiving physical healing from sickness and disease. Number six, by manifesting a greater spiritual maturity and godly character in your life. Number seven, by allowing you to experience an increased anointing and empowerment in your life. And number eight, by giving you more power and dynamic prayer life. Amen. Isaiah 58 and 9 says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer you. You will cry and he will say, Here am I. How many of you think that's a great promise right there? You see, prayer and fasting allows you to experience God like never before. You see, some people resolve to their Christianity by simply going to church and hearing a message, singing a couple of songs, Kumbaya, my Lord, and they go back. But all the while, they're stuck in the spiritual rut. They're not happy. They're not joyful. They're not free. They're not encouraged. They're not excited about serving God. But I'm here to tell you that God has way more for us than that. There's a whole lot more. So let us not settle for just going to church. Amen. Now let me share with you three truths concerning prayer and fasting. Number one, prayer and fasting is the duty of all believers. You know, listen, some people question whether prayer and fasting is for everybody. They say, well, you know, prayer, isn't that for fanatical, crazy people? I mean, that's people that are crazy that do that. Or they think, well... Prayer and fasting, I mean, that's for clergy, for pastors, for ministers, for people in leadership. Or they think, well, you, you only fast and pray if you're like Todd, you got major problems in your life. And you need a great breakthrough. You know, how many of you know that that's all lies? Jesus clears up the question of who should fast. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 33, one day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Some people read that right there and they say, see, there you go. We should eat and drink. We do enough of that. Amen. Verse 34, Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus was declaring that prayer and fasting was going to be a natural, normal part of the Christian life. Amen. It's casual Christianity that says it's for everybody else and not for me. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus lays out three spiritual duties of every Christian. 
Matthew 6, 2. He says, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. In Matthew 6, verse 5, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues with everyone so everyone can see them. In verse 16, he says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they cry to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. So Jesus says three duties of every Christian. Number one, giving. Every Christian should be a giver. Why? Because it's the nature of God. God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody believes in prayer. Even atheists sometimes will throw up a prayer to God. God help me. Right? I thought you didn't believe in God. Well, you get caught in the corner. You might become a believer for a moment there. Right? And then there's fasting. And so... Why is it that we embrace so readily giving and praying, but not fasting? But all three should be the normal, the normal activity of every Christian. Amen? Second truth concerning prayer and fasting is prayer and fasting is spiritual warfare. How many of you know that? I mean, listen, you know, I knew prayer and fasting was coming. I was struggling already this week. My flesh was already just having struggles. But you know, there is a constant battle in each of our lives, and it's the battle of our flesh and the Spirit of God. And they war for dominance and control in our life. The Bible says it like this in Galatians 5 and verse 16. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. It's a tug of war. Our flesh wants to bring us one way. The Spirit of God wants to bring us another way. Fasting and praying is hard. How many of you would agree to that? Let me give you a chance to say, respond to that. How many of you believe that fasting is hard? Amen. Why is it so hard? You know why it's so hard? The tug of war. The battle. You see... We war against our flesh. The Spirit of God wars against the flesh, our flesh. Our flesh wars against the things of God. It doesn't want to do the things. Our flesh always fights for dominance in our life. It does not want to be rude. It does not want to be, it does not want to submit to anybody or anything. It's this battle that goes on within each and every person. So listen, you know, whenever you think about Fasting and prayer. It's a, it's a battle. It's warfare. And that's why whenever just we think about it, we're just like, man, any way out of this? Is there any way we can get out of this? Our flesh, our flesh will do numbers on us. Will mess with us. Our flesh will get weak. Our flesh will want to pass out. And we haven't even missed a meal yet. Come on, y'all out there. And we say, oh, I got to eat. I'm, I'm weak. No, that's your flesh crying out. Come on, kill him. Amen. How many of you know that the more our flesh dies, the more the spirit of God can rule and reign in our life. Amen. How many of you know our flesh will bring us to destruction, but the spirit of God will bring us to new heights in God. Amen. But there's another battle and it's we also war against Satan. 
Satan hates when Christians fast and pray. He's okay with you going to church. He just doesn't want you to fast and pray. He'll try to discourage you from even attempting to fast and pray. I mean, he'll give you 101 reasons why you, sir, can't fast. He'll tell you a whole lot of reasons why that's for everybody else but you. You don't have problems like everybody else. You don't need that stuff. Remember when Jesus was led into the wilderness to fast and pray? Remember what happened? Remember who showed up that day? Do you remember? In Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, let me, let me show you. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast and pray. Who shows up? Satan. He shows up right when Jesus is fasting and praying. The entire time Jesus was in the wilderness, he was there trying to tempt Jesus. He was there coming against Jesus while he was trying to fast and pray. Why was he tempting him? Why was he attacking him? Because he did not want him to fast and pray. I think. What about you? You see, listen, he was trying to get him to quit fasting. Why? Because he knew that as Jesus would fast and pray, that his His limitations were coming to an end. His power, his dominance, his rule was coming to an end. So no wonder he wanted him to stay away from fasting and pray. Why does Satan fight you and I from fasting and praying? Because he knows that if we will fast and pray, things will happen in the spirit realm. Come on, y'all out there. He'll, he'll just, he'll be glad for you to come to a potluck. He'll be glad for you to come to church, but he don't want you to come to a prayer meeting. And he certainly doesn't want you to fast because he knows it's dynamite. Amen. He knows it's dynamite. He knows that prayer and fasting are the spiritual weapons God has given us to be successful in our resistance of him. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Prayer and fasting are the weapons of warfare. But he also knows that prayer and fasting releases God's power in our lives to successfully defeat him. You know, the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know why we get defeated a lot of times? Because God is not greater in us than the world is. But the greater God's spirit is ruling and reigning in our life, the more victories we'll be able to win in the spirit realm. Amen. Watch what happens when Jesus successfully finishes his time of prayer and fasting. In Luke 4 verse 14. Then Jesus returned. He came out of the wilderness and he returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power and reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. See, why did Satan not want Jesus to fast and pray? Because he knew he was going to come out of that time with great anointing on his life. A little bit later, in Luke chapter 14 and 18, he goes into the temple He grabs the book of Isaiah and he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me 
Because he has anointed me, the anointing one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as deliver those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity, and to proclaim the accepted and accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Jesus came anointed of God to set people free. Amen. He went into the wilderness led by the spirit, but he came out of the wilderness empowered and filled with the anointing of God on his life. Amen. That's the truth of prayer and fasting. It releases God's dynamite in our life. Truth number three, God rewards those who embrace a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. In Matthew 6 and 6, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret, in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will do what? Rewards you how? Verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men by fasting, to be fasting, but to your father who's in, in where? In the? And your father who sees in? will reward you. God rewards openly those who embrace a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. He doesn't reward us in secret. We pray to him who's in secret, but he rewards us openly. Now, if I was Satan and I knew this, I would try to get the church of Jesus Christ To do anything but fast and pray. Because I would know that the more the church of Jesus Christ fast and pray, the greater spiritual release over their lives will be. And the less likely that I would be able to defeat the church. Amen. God rewards. Consider these testimonies. Hannah fasted and prayed. Received healing from her barrenness. Ezra fasted and prayed. Received supernatural protection. Daniel fasted and prayed. Received divine understanding. And revelation from God. Paul fasted and prayed. Was given wisdom and and guidance from God. Cornelius fasted and prayed. Experienced a miraculous breakthrough. Jesus fasted and prayed. And he was empowered by the Spirit. And I could give you many more examples. Of men and women of God. Who experienced God through the grace of prayer and fasting. Why does God reward prayer and fasting? Why is it that this is such a big deal? Well, number one, it's a step of obedience to God's command. He says in verse Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, verse 5, when you fast, this was not a suggestion to consider, but a command to obey. Are you all hearing me? It's not... You know, listen, God doesn't twist our arm and make us do anything. But he'll just give us his statutes and his commandments. And if we will have ears to hear and spirits to receive what he says, there'll be a blessing attached to that. How many of you know that there's always a blessing associated with obedience to God's commands? Listen what Isaiah 119 says. If you are willing and obedient... You will eat of the good of the land. If you are willing. First, there has to be a willingness. See, some of us, we fall down right there. 
There has to be a willingness and then obedience. If you are willing and obedient, you know, you can be obedient and not be willing. You got to get your attitude involved. It's saying, I'm not going to do this with a grudge. I'm going to do this because God wants me to do it. And I'm going to do it with a good attitude. Come on, y'all out there. Are y'all hearing me out there this morning? If you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. You see, it's an effort. God rewards fasting and prayer because it's an effort to make a priority of seeking and drawing closer to God. You know, it's one thing to say, Lord, I love you. But it's another thing to prove our love for God, right? It's a totally different thing. Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and say, you know, you, you, you worship me with your mouth, but your heart's far from me. Your heart is not even, your, your heart is not even after me. But how many of you know that it takes effort? To make, it make, you got to make it a priority, God is not going to visit us in our house like a sergeant and turn on the lights and clap his hands and play loud music and say, get up out of bed, soldier. It's time to serve me. Come on. He just calls and say, I'm looking for a few good men and women. How many of you out there are willing? Amen. But look at this verse, James 4 and 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to God. Who has to draw near to God? We do. You draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Look at this verse, Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Where? For after all, these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There's something that God does when we make a priority of him. Amen. When we make God a priority, God is, is a rewarder. Amen. It's an act of humility. It's an act of humbling yourself before God when you fast and pray. You know, the primary purpose of fasting and prayer is not to try to twist God's arm. It's not to try to manipulate God. God can't be manipulated. God can't be, you know, he can't be persuaded you know, by our, you know, our, our wrong motivation. But you know what? Prayer and fasting is about humbling yourself before God. Isaiah 58 and 5. Is this, is it a fast like this which I choose? A day for man, a man to humble himself? How many of you know whenever you decide not to eat? That, that's a different level of spirituality right there. Right? But why is it that people will refrain from eating to lose weight and to get their physical bodies in tip-top shape, but not be willing to fast and go without eating to pursue their walk with God? Are y'all tracking with this? Don't you think that it's more important to do without eating to pursue God than it is to simply... Now, don't get me wrong... Our body is the temple and we should take care of it, right? The Bible says, you know, uh, physical discipline profits little. It doesn't say profits, at, doesn't profit at all. But isn't it, it, shouldn't it be a priority, saints of God, 
that we willing to humble ourselves before God by just passing up? I don't want to even say what it is. Because you're going to be starving for that the whole time of prayer and fasting. (laughs) See, David understood the connection between fasting and humility. David said, but as for me, I humbled my soul with fasting. See, the responsibility of walking humbly with God rests upon us. It's not upon God. He said, humble yourself. However, God requires us to humble ourselves. However, God rewards us when we humble ourselves. Amen. He also promises that we're going to be rewarded for just walking humbly with God. First Peter 5, 6 says this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. How many of you know God rewards? See, now listen, the rest of the story. I was going through this time of deep, dark discouragement and depression. When God led me to go through on this fast. And through that fast, that's when that thing was broken off my life. And uh, I've been able now for 20 more years to stay in the ministry. And I believe that it's been very beneficial that I've been serving my purpose. But how many of you know that that's only the tip of the iceberg of the blessings that God has showered over my life in the last 20 years. Y'all with me out there? That was just the tip of the iceberg, getting that oppressive spirit broken over my life. Now, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. But all I knew is I didn't know how to get out. But God delivered me. God set me free. And so for the last 20 years, it's been a regular it's been a regular part of our, our family's life. It's been a regular part of this church's life to fast and pray. Why? Because we know that God is a rewarder. That God will honor us as we make a priority of seeking Him. Listen, there's casual Christianity and then there's going after God with all your heart, mind, and soul. I tell you what, don't settle for the casual Christianity. Don't just get, you know, satisfied with just going to church. Go after God with everything you got. Go after God with all your heart. Give Him your best. Put in your best effort. Come on, roll up your sleeves and say, listen, I'm going for the goal. I'm going for God. And I promise you, the more you go for God, the more God's going to go for you. The more you go for God, the more God's going to work for you. The more you go for God, the more God's going to work in your life. The more you go for God, the more the heavens are going to open up and the presence and the blessings of God will be released and showered over your life. Come on, there's an enemy out there that wants to rob, steal, and get you off track. But there's a God in heaven that's saying, come on up a little higher. Come on up a little higher. Come on up a little higher. I got more. Don't give in to your flesh. Don't let the enemy discourage you. Come on up a little higher. Have a greater blessing that you have never even yet imagined for your life. If you will just take the challenge. How many of you willing to take the challenge? We're calling for a corporate time of prayer and fasting. Why? There's private and there's corporate. In times in history, God would call the body of Christ together to a time of prayer and fasting. Joel 
called for the whole nation of Israel to fast and pray in Joel 1, 14. Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to the Lord. The prophet Joel called the nation to prayer and fasting because the judgment of God was on their doorstep. The judgment of God was beginning to be released over their life. I don't think I have to talk you into believing that America is in a dark place spiritually. I don't think I need to talk you into believing that even the body of Christ needs great light and great empowerment from the Spirit of God. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? Joel called them to prayer and fasting. You know what happened to Israel? They experienced a turnaround. They experienced a miraculous turnaround. It wasn't raining. It started raining. The locust was eating all their crops. Their crops started growing again. How did that happen? God in heaven responds when the people of God humble themselves before Him. Listen, you can tell me you can give me all the philosophies of the, the, the greatest philosophers of the world. And I would just throw them on the side and say, I'd rather take the philosophy of God. I would rather hold on to the philosophy of God. God says, you seek me, you will find me. God says, you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. God says, if you pursue me, I will reward you. Amen. So we're calling for a carpet prayer. I want to invite you and encourage you. As your pastor, we need the touch of God. We need the blessing of God. Amen? So listen, tonight at midnight, we're going to begin this carpet time of prayer and fasting. It's a great time to detach from the media. Turn off the TV. Brother Francis used to say, cool down the stove. 21 days. Daniel fasted for 21 days. And God moved in a miraculous way. They say it takes 21 days to break a habit. Whenever you're eradicating certain um, pests, you got to keep spraying them for 21 days. Make sure you get all the eggs to kill them. Come on, let's spray the demonic eggs over our life. Amen? So listen, for the first week, 6 a.m., 12 noon, 6.30 p.m. every night, Monday through Saturday, we're going to have prayer meetings right here. The second two weeks, every night, we'll have a prayer meeting right here. The second week on Friday night, we're going to have an overflow, and we're just going to come together and worship God. Amen? The third week, we're going to go every night, and we're going to fast and pray. I want to encourage you to join us. How many of you are willing to join us? That was about 10 people. Let me see if I can get a few more. How many of you are willing to join us? Okay, maybe I could pay somebody. Maybe I could pay a few people. But listen, let me, just, let me just say this. This is the most important thing that we do in the year. Right here. You know, tithing, you give the 10%, God blesses the 90%. If the, if the, uh, if the first part of the year is tied to God, I believe He blesses the rest. Amen. 
And I believe that this is like a tithe to God. It's like us giving us the first part of the year. The best part of the year. We're not going to go give it to our own pursuits. We're going to give it to God. And by the way, we got to live. We got to go to work. We got to do all that. But we're just going to make a priority. Amen. If you can't come to the prayer meetings. If you have an office, close the door at noon. Read your Bible and pray. Amen. If you can't come here to the church and fast and pray. Just give it your best effort to get into the word more. And just pray more. Set you a goal. I'm going to pray Set you an agenda. What are you looking for? Number one at the top of the agenda. God, draw me closer to you. God, enlarge my heart for you. God, convict me of everything in my life that's wrong. God, I want a clean start. Amen? But then after that, pray. You know, some of you are in a rut right now like I talked about. Maybe you need God to move in your family in a great way. You know, there's... I'm going to embarrass Miss Kelly right here. But this, she she sees them coming. (laughs) Miss Kelly, and is Anthony here? Second service. service. Kelly has been in church for a long time, since she's that big. But Kelly, for many years, has been praying for a mate. She's been single a long time. Last year, (laughs) during the first week of prayer and fasting... There was a young man in here that was seeking the Lord. And as he's walking out of the building, the Lord said, Kelly's the one for you. She'd been fasting and praying for God's mate. They get married on the first part of February. Amen. And I'm looking forward to doing that wedding. Amen. The breakthrough has come. Amen. So listen, we have some resources back there. Here's uh, eight steps to praying and fasting. Pastor Rob put this together. It's a great tool just to help you. Tells you about the different fasts, the Daniel fast and so on. There's a prayer guide, a seven-day prayer guide. And then there's a 21-day prayer guide. Encourage you to just go back there to the table and make use of those. Many of you read Fasting for Spiritual Breakthrough. This book will set you on fire. Amen? I mean, it's just a great book that just talks, this pastor, Jensen Franklin, has been leading his church to fasting and praying for 21 days every year for many, many years now. And he shares, it's just a tremendous, it's a tremendous read. How many of you got that book and and think it's a great idea? Now, I think we have about 30 copies. And we're going to sell them for $5 today. Okay? Yeah, it's cheap. But you know what? It's, if, if any way we can encourage you, the Circle Maker. How many of you have read this book? If you haven't read The Circle Maker, I know Dwayne told me about it before I even knew about it. This thing will light you up. It'll light you up, huh, Dwayne? <laughs> Amen. He gave everybody in his family one for Christmas. But we have about 30 copies of this, $5. And we're going to see if we can get some more. But I went to Mardell's last night and bought everything they had. But if there's some more... You might check family bookstore, whatever, if we run out here. But I encourage you to read. Instead of turning on the TV, read. Read about fasting. And I'm telling you, it's going to motivate you. It's going to encourage you. Amen? Now listen, there's no way. This is just a challenge. But I know 
that the more people in this congregation will set aside time to fast and pray, the more the glory of God will be released in our midst. Amen? Listen, when the 120 were together in the upper room, that's whenever the power of God came. The Lord said, whenever the people of God come together to do anything, there's nothing that's going to be impossible for them. What greater place to come into unity than to simply seek after God? Amen? And I'm believing that God is going to release a great blessing. And there's going to be miracles that are going to take place in families and in lives in this church. Y'all believe that? Would you stand with me? Let's, let's commit this to the Lord in prayer. There's a verse in Malachi that says the, there was grace, that there was a spirit of grace and prayer that was released. I'm praying for that this morning. Grace. You got to have grace to fast. Amen. You have to have grace to pray. Amen. So let's ask God for the grace. Let's ask God to release the spirit of prayer. Father God, we pray for grace to be released over our congregation today. God, we understand that even if we desire to do it, If we desire to pursue you, lest you give us grace, we're going to fall short. We can't do it on our own. All we can do is make the decision. But God, we need your grace to help us to take it, to take it to fruition. We pray for that grace here today. God, we pray for a spirit of prayer to be released. That while we're driving, we would pray. While we are just Lord, taking the shower, we would pray. While we were sitting down, we would pray. Lord, while we rising up, we would pray. Lord, we would just have a spirit of prayer and seeking after God. Lord, may your grace be upon us. And ahead of time, we thank you for the miraculous things that you're going to do in the spirit realm over this place. In the mighty and strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. Amen. One more time, everybody agreed, said, Amen. Amen. Amen.